0: So when I was probably 14, I babysat for these two little girls that lived down the street from me. The one little girl, I think she was maybe four, um, actually maybe closer to three. And the other girl was just about one. The house they lived in was, it was creepy. It was just one of those houses that you walked into and something just never felt quite right in there. One day I am sitting in the living room with the two girls and the oldest one comes over to me and she says, monster, and, what? And she said, there's a monster. And she just keeps dragging my arm to come show me this monster that was uh, allegedly in the other room. And of course, I didn't think a whole lot of it because she was a little girl. I thought she was just playing. Anyway, she took me over to the dining room and she pointed and she just kept pointing in this corner um, across from the dining room table and she just kept saying, monster, see it, monster. And I played along and I said, oh yeah, I see the monster. And that was just kind of that, you know, that was the end of that for that day. So then I'm back again and probably within the next day or so, cause I think I babysat pretty frequently for them. And this time me and her and her sister are sitting in the living room again. And she says to me, she goes, monster is here. And I, at this point I'm kind of like, this is bizarre. Why is she <laughs> talking about this monster again? And with my previous lifelong experiences with paranormal um, of course i'm getting a little freaked out now so she keeps pointing to this spot in the living room and so at this point i thought maybe i should ask her some questions about this monster i said to her i said okay i said well what does the monster want and she just looked at me and just kind of shrugged um her face was just i mean horrified she looked she looked like she truly did see the monster. Does the monster want to hurt you? And she said no. And I said, does the monster want to hurt Maddie, which was her little sister? And again, she shook her head no. And I said, does the monster want to hurt me? And uh, of course, she uh, shook her head yes. So I kind of dropped at that point. I was like, alright, we're done talking about the monster. Let's turn on something else. Her mom and I, um, and the and Gracie, who was the older girl who saw this monster. We were all sitting in the kitchen. I think Maddie, the little one, was probably napping, and I was having some lunch with them. All of a sudden, the door to the laundry room, which no windows were open, there was no draft. It, I mean, everything was, there's no way that, the, that a draft or anything else opened this door. I, so the door swings open, and the minute this door opened, the little girl, Gracie, she points to it and she looks at her mommy and she says, Mommy, monster came in.
1: I guess I could go into the category of Kids Say the darndest Things. Wasn't that a television show, like in the 90s or something? I don't remember who hosted it. It could have been somebody... I, it strikes me as like Bill Cosby or something, which that's a horror story into itself. But uh, anyway, what do you do uh, when, when you have a situation like that? You hear the noises, the door opens... And then the child says those words, monster. You just know they're singing something. They're sensing something that you're not. And it doesn't make you feel any better when that thing says it's not all cool with you. Creepy stuff. Kids say the darndest things. Demon Edition. This Friday, right after T G I F. That's uh That would have been a great special, right? Um, anyway. On today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online We hear uh, some pretty amazing stories Of the dad coming back to life One takes place in a dorm Gives four simple words And does a lot more premeditated spookiness uh, To one woman as she just tries to sleep Tries to get some studying done And this shit just gets, you know, off the rails Bizarre Games at a Christian summer camp Seems like a place where you might not have too many demons. Well, anything but. As uh, the camp counselors have the kids engage in some games that seem to conjure up some demons. Demons that follow one of the campers for a lifetime. Also, what seems to be an uneventful Ouija board session turns out to be pretty much anything but that. Great stories today. This is EPP bonus episode number 242. Of real ghost stories online. My name is Tony Bruschi. Stay with us. about college dorm buildings, but they've always kind of creeped me out. I have never stayed in one in my life. I uh, I did not go down that route. Um, so um, I did visit friends in them, though. I don't know if it's just the, uh, the, the compactness of it. It's like sardines in a can. Um, or if it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not really a claustrophobic individual, but there's something... I guess if I was ever to feel claustrophobic, I'd say being in a dorm building uh, gave me, I guess that that sort of a feeling. I'm not a huge people person when it comes to crowds and things of that nature. So I guess the, it was a horrific idea to have to live in that tight of space with other individuals. Um, so I never did uh, did do that. Um, but beyond that, we do get a lot of stories of haunted dorms of, of people seeing and hearing uh, whether it be former students, janitors, you name it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in in, in a dorm, obviously. Uh, you know, you have a lot of people going through their education. Lots of stress right there. You have, of course, the time in your life where you're really kind of discovering who you are. You're going through some very firsts in relationships. So there's a lot of uh, energy uh, in in these tight spaces with lots and lots of people. To me, it's really kind of no wonder that these places tend to hold um, energy or spirits. It's always interesting to hear what those ghost stories are because they do vary quite a bit. In our next story, we hear of a haunting in a dorm. And, And a haunting that is very to the point, but very terrifying when it happens. A situation that the writer will surely never forget. Take a listen. I've come to see that there are certain characteristics that the ghosts in people's stories seem to share. I hesitate to share my story because I have had an experience, the only one i ever had, where something spoke very clearly and yet only spoke four words. The clarity of the words, spoken in such a clear and eloquent tone, seems to contradict much of what I have heard on your show so far. I hear stories of faint whispers and single words and the Lucidity of my experience seems to almost be too vivid to fit the norm, but regardless, this is my story. It was 1998. I was in my third year at the University of Toronto at an old historic school nestled in the downtown of Toronto. The buildings range in age, but there are some that date back to the middle and later 19th century. My story takes place in and around the university college, a historic building at the university. It was in the summer, so the campus was not as busy as it is during the regular school year. I was taking a summer course on short stories. Because I had a paper due that very week, I had been at the university from early in the morning right through until the evening. It was warm and bright that day. I remember because I spent part of the day reading in a courtyard outside to get away from the fluorescent lighting of the dreary library. As evening came on, I was faced with a couple of options. Because I was living off campus over summer, to go home would mean a 30-minute subway ride plus another 30 minutes on a bus, and I knew I'd have to be back in the morning, so I'd have to make the reverse trip in a few hours anyhow. The other option was to spend the night in a room on the campus. The University always keeps a section of rooms open for visiting scholars, family, or students needing sporadic overnight accommodations. I chose to seek out a room because I could work well into the night in a quiet atmosphere. I made my way over to the University College and specifically to the Sir Daniel Wilson Hall, a residence that was built in the 19th century and had traditionally only been open to men. The hall is a long building, only two stories high, climbing to three stories in some spots, and it looks more like a attached row or townhouses than an apartment building. The facade is yellow with strong black wooden doors inset. I spoke with a student volunteer working at the info desk of the residence and found that there was a room available for only $30. She told me that if I needed anything that I could just come out to the desk anytime since the night shift guy would be there all night. She told me that while a few students were staying in the building that night, there were no visitors, so I'd be the only person staying on the visitor's floor. I took the key, smiled my farewell, and made my way to my room. It was down one level of stone stairs in the hallway where the room was located felt very hard under my feet despite being covered in thin green carpet. This point is relevant to the story. I turned the key to the lock set in the doorknob and entered the room. It was a basic college dorm room standing in the doorway. There was a single bed to my right with a nightstand beside it. There were a lamp and an electrical alarm clock on the nightstand. Directly in front of me, about 12 feet away, was a window. Because I was on the lowest level of the residence, the window was probably five feet from the ground and was smaller with iron grating protecting it on the outside. To my left, there was a small desk and an old chair with orange fabric upholstery. This fact sticks in my mind because it seemed to be the same fabric that all the chairs in the students' lounge were covered in. There was a wardrobe made of cheap wood fiber that stood directly next to the desk, closer to the door. Aside from this, there was just another orange-covered chair in the corner between the head of the bed and the window. Finding the room in good order, I entered and let the door close behind me. It was about 8 p.m., and I realized... I didn't have a change of clothes or any toiletries, so I walked over to the communal showers and took a shower. Fortunately, there was a complimentary but tiny bar of soap and a bottle of shampoo in the room. Feeling refreshed, I was determined to make use of my solitude to dig into my paper. I laid on the bed with my feet at the head of the bed and my head at the foot. I placed a pillow under my chest to prop myself up as I read and jotted down notes from my books. This was before everyone had laptops, so I took notes on paper and only took my massive desktop computer when it was time to write the final paper. I lay writing for a couple of hours, only getting up to give my back a stretch once in a while. Never been much of a sleeper. Even today, I can manage two to four hours a night, so I stayed up late that night, but... It was around 11.30pm when the strange occurrences began. Because the room was so quiet, I found my attention immediately distracted by the sound of footsteps echoing from somewhere in the hallway outside of my door. They were steady steps, and although they broke the silence of the night, I assumed it was the night clerk doing his rounds of the building, and I went back to my books. The steps continued past my room, and eventually faded. About 20 minutes later, the steps started again. I listened to the steps again. As I stared at the door, I remember furrowing my eyebrows and holding in my breath as the steps came nearer. My concern rose slightly at this hearing of the steps because I remember that the floor in the hallway was clearly stone with a thin layer of carpet. There should not have been any audible echoing footsteps. I got up on one elbow facing the door. The steps were getting closer. I got up slowly in my bed trying not to allow the old mattress to creak and I stood up. I was beside the bed and I stood still, my heart beginning to heave in my chest and my breath becoming more intermittent. I decided to put my ear to the door. I wanted to hear the person go by. I was only a step from the door and I heard the steps stop. And that's where we're going to stop and pause. Do you wanna hear the rest of this story? Then you need to become an EPP, an extra podcast person, a supporter of our program. When you become an EPP, you get access to every single bonus episode of the show, all 100 or 242 of them, yes, all of them, uh, including access to our advanced episodes, which get published weeks before they go out to the public. Those are the episodes with Carol and Jenny. Uh, on Jenny's on two times a week. Uh, Carol's on the other episode of the week. Uh, you get access to all of those, uh, like I said, weeks in advance. You also get an e-copy of the book, Real Ghost Stories, Haunting Encounters Told by Real People. That right there is a $14 value. It's an Amazon bestseller. Um, and you get a fast pass email, a way to get your stories to me well before everybody else. We have a kind of a backlog of stories that we go through when we create the show, but the fast pass gets it to it basically front of the line. So we can consider it and put it on the air that much quicker. So lots of great benefits there. Five bucks a month. Ghostpodcast.com is where you do that. That's what supports the show and keeps it on the air. Without your support, the show would not exist. This is primarily a listener-supported show. Oh, and by the way, all the uh, all the uh, the episodes that you get at ghostpodcast.com and uh, you can do through Patreon, too, they're all commercial-free, so there's no commercials there either. So check it out, ghostpodcast.com, and keep us on the air. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better.
0: Smile. You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees usage and restrictions apply.